1: Hello everyone and welcome to the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. I'm your host Laura Nash and today we're talking with Kaveri Marate. Kaveri is the founder and CEO of a Washington D.C. based social enterprise called Textiles. It's like textiles without the T, so textiles. She's set to eliminate clothing waste from landfill. Kaveri, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. I want to know all about your company because it's such an amazing thing to reduce waste in any part of our lives, and you're taking it on on a massive scale. So tell me about your company.
0: Sure. So Textiles is a startup based here in Washington, D.C., and our goal is to eliminate clothing waste from a landfill. So the way we're doing that is we offer a pickup service door-to-door, where we'll come to your home, you just make an appointment on our website, and you can include in your pickup anything, uh, any type of clothing, including garments that might have holes or stains or otherwise what you might consider to be undonatable because really that's what people tend to throw in the trash
1: tell me about the name textiles
0: Yeah. So I was, uh, I remember I was walking, I work out of a a co-working space here in DC and I was walking to work and I had this epiphany because I'd been working on a company name and I was trying to figure it out. And it just sort of hit me. Clothing that is ending up in the trash is being exiled. It's being sent away. You often don't know where it's going when you get rid of it, regardless of whether you uh, throw it in the trash or put it in a bin or drop it off to Goodwill. And so these are textiles that are being exiled, so that's where the textiles name came from. And I really wanted to include in the name some kind of nod to this idea that these items are being sent off somewhere where you don't know where they're going, but that doesn't have to be the case.
1: If I choose not to use your service and and not send clothes to where they should go, and I send them to the landfill... What happens to them there? Are they leaching chemicals? Do they break down right away? Like, why shouldn't we be sending our clothing to landfill?
0: I would say the first and foremost reason is that actually 95% of the content of the clothing and textiles that we throw in the trash can be recycled. So it's really a big opportunity cost when it when it comes to both wasting a resource that can be reused and also taking up space in the landfills. Just textile waste takes up about 6% of landfill space, so it's quite a big component. And once it's there, it does both release different greenhouse gases as well as leach chemicals into groundwater All clothing is made of different types of fabric. So there's a lot that's made out of natural fibers, like cotton and and wool. And those degrade naturally. Raw state, in their pure state, you would even be able to compost those. right? But because they've gone through so many processes in the manufacturing process, including things like dyeing and bleaching, so they end up with a lot of chemicals in them. And most dyes are... You know, highly toxic—the ones that are used in, in the modern textile industry. So they, you know, those garments cannot be composted, right? And they end up in the landfill. They leach those chemicals, and those can end up in groundwater. And likewise, when it comes to greenhouse gas emissions, they release a lot of methane, particularly. And sometimes those, those landfill gases are captured, and sometimes they're not, and that contributes to global warming. For example, so Americans tend to recycle about, of, of the like 15 or 16 million tons of textile waste that's produced, about between 2 and 3 million tons of it are actually recycled. And that small quantity itself is equivalent to taking over a million cars off the road for an entire year. Oh my goodness. So imagine if we were recycling all of that waste, which is 95% recyclable. When you look at it from that perspective, it just makes me crazy. And we can turn... We can turn those garments into so many new and different things.
1: And you're doing it. You are starting this movement and you are getting the clothes out a landfill and you are finding places to recycle them and to reuse them. Like, this is you that's doing it. It's so exciting. <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy about this because, honestly, before I knew about your company, I never thought about clothing in landfill. I, it, it just isn't something that uh, I think goes across a lot of Americans' minds.
0: Yeah, you know, I think it's one of those things that's sort of like a collective Action problem. You know, when we throw away clothing, you know, we'll throw away a couple things, like an old pair of underwear or a t-shirt with a big stain on it or something. And so it doesn't always occur to us that all of this sets up over time. And you multiply that times every other person. It's creating so much waste. And what I'm really hoping to do is communicate to people the collective cost that we all bear when we produce not just clothing waste but all types of waste because it's easy to just throw it in the trash you just take it out to your you know garbage bin and the garbage man comes and takes it away and you don't have to really think about it but it affects and often it affects some of the poorest people in our in our communities because they're the ones who often live near the landfill and suffer from things like respiratory disease because of the Fumes that are coming off of a landfill or their neighborhood just smells like garbage because they're close to a landfill, you know, those people often suffer disproportionately. But for the average citizen, you know, it's an easy sort of fix for them. So it's something that's going to affect people as a whole so i'm trying to encourage people to think a little bit more about their consumption and about every article they throw away in the trash
1: yeah that's that's true that's a really good point i never thought of that it it does affect people of lower incomes Not only the the people in America who are living close to the dumps and have to, to deal with this stuff, but also when you go overseas, you know, we have people who pick through garbage looking for electronic pieces to recycle. And if there's more clothing in there, they'd have to pick more through that. So how many clothes are ending up in landfill?
0: It's 13 million tons in the United States every year, and that equates to roughly 80 pounds of clothing per every American person per year. Which probably sounds like a lot. And some people, you know, zero waste crowd is obviously throwing away a lot less than that. But in my own research and having talked to customers, I've found that a lot of people when it becomes a convenience issue, like let's say they're moving, they might just throw out a whole bunch of clothing rather than take the time to drop it off to a Goodwill or or donation bin.
1: It gets too much if you're moving, for sure, and you want to get rid of some things quickly. Do you think that that factor includes stores, like retail stores as well, or is that a different statistic? That's a different statistic.
0: The 80 pounds is the average average for just consumers.
1: When I read that fact, I thought that it must just be including stores as well, because I've heard rumors that sometimes with the fast fashion industry, stores will actually throw out some of their clothes.
0: Yeah, so I think that more of that happens in the luxury industry. When it comes to luxury manufacturers, a lot of them, in order to not sort of dilute the brand, will destroy garments at the end of a season rather than send them to an outlet, for example, because they want to maintain that sort of brand by limiting the number of garments that are actually out.
1: I guess if you're going for that exclusivity, you would not want everyone to wear them. Exactly. Which is sad because it could go to like so many different people, you know, and especially if it's good quality, because we were talking earlier that it's difficult these days to find good quality clothes. So if I go to, you know, certain retail chains, I find the clothes are very thin. They don't look like they've been made well or that they're going to last very long.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely true. And I think this is something that's true, not only in the clothing industry, but a lot of different industries this sort of idea of planned obsolescence. Yeah. And the clothing industry, particularly fashion trends have increased tremendously. So what used to be, you know, four standard season cycles of, of clothing per season or per year, you know, you'd have your spring, summer, winter, fall increase to anywhere between 11 to 15 cycles per year. So companies are pumping out new clothing constantly and, it's funny, I saw a video of a executive at, I think, H&M, who said something like, you know, if you come into an H&M and come back two days later, we hope to have new things for you to look at on the shelf. And a huge part of what's driving this increase in the amount of clothing that people are buying, as well as the decrease in quality, because something has to give. You can't have both high quality and turn things around so quickly. In some cases, companies will actually turn around a style or garment in as little from from the design phase to the manufacture phase in as little as two weeks.
1: Does that mean that they're getting made in a country overseas and then they sort of arrive in America in that time period?
0: I think that figure is the design to manufacture phase and then it'll get shipped.
1: Okay yeah I mean that's so fast especially when you think about you know making your own shirt with a pattern and, and how long it would take fast fashion and its exploitation of cheap labor make clothing monetarily more affordable. According to NPR, the fashion industry is worth $1.2 trillion, with $250 billion of that spent in America. A lot of clothes are being produced. The problem is that clothes are being produced of lesser quality to be affordable, but often aren't able to last very long and rarely make it to the secondhand market. I spent some time in Uganda and the markets there were just amazing. They had so many good products. We would go there and go shopping because everything was affordable and, you know, things were still clean. It was all sort of like American stuff that had been sent to Africa. I know that uh, earlier this year, Rwanda announced it would no longer allow the sale of secondhand clothes. NPR reported that they import about $18 million in used clothes per year. And I know that some Rwandans are really happy about that because it provides business. So they get the clothes and they sell them in market and that's their way of living. But then there's this other argument. Rwandans want to have their own cultural identity and they don't feel that getting those American clothes are really sort of helping with that. So what the Rwandan president has proposed is that they don't want to take American exported used clothing anymore. This causes a a lot of implications so where are all of those clothes going to go from America if we don't have a place to resell them in Africa anymore? And so this is sort of where your company comes in. So you're you're finding places for these clothes to go or where they're being recycled. So...
0: That's it's interesting that you mentioned this. So actually, the secondhand international secondhand market is I I don't don't want to say unfortunately, but it is part of my business model at the current moment. Essentially, the way my sort of uh, supply chain works is that I do a pickup and then I have a number of charities that I work with here in the local area that I donate among, you know, from what I get, I donate to them the sort of specific things that they're looking for. And then I have a wholesaler who buys everything else from me and then works with either a recycler to make sure that everything that is not wearable. So like the holy stuff with stuff with stains, that kind of stuff gets shredded down and turned into things like insulation or carpet underlay gets reused. Or the other stuff that is wearable that I'm not able to find um, a market for for donation, that ends up getting sold to the secondhand market, both domestically and overseas. So the problem, problem is that essentially people are just purging so much clothing. Essentially all second-hand clothing retailers, whether it is Goodwill, Salvation Army, those bin operators, or thrift stores, they all at some point are exporting either directly or through a trader like the company I work with. They are exporting clothing overseas. Yeah, I mean, so in the case of uh, Rwanda and a couple other countries in that area, Burundi, Kenya, Tanzania, um, that have banned imports of clothing. They want to support their local industry to manufacture new clothing. And there is both a pro and con of that in, in their domestic context. So for a local person to buy clothing that's new, it can cost many times the price of what it would cost to buy a secondhand garment from the United States. So on the consumer level, it's not always a boon for everybody, but it does produce jobs in those industries. On the other hand, there are, like you said, there are these small business people that are running stalls that sell secondhand clothing so those are also jobs that are being created
1: and those are entrepreneurs yes. right that are they're doing their own stalls but when you start getting that factory work then we don't know if the conditions are going to be regulated in the hours and if they're going to be union workers i, I don't know if other countries would set up the same rights as we have in north america so then it, it's another problem too is are these jobs really worth it in value to go work at a textiles factory absolutely
0: and I think that there probably is a happy medium somewhere where, you know, these countries can include some portion of allow some some limited amount of secondhand clothing to be imported because it provide a resource to people that don't have a lot of money to purchase secondhand clothes, hopefully going forward. And actually, you know, there's a sort of battle going on it, you know, with the U.S. trade representative and some of these countries in Africa that are are banning secondhand clothing because it's a
1: big industry. Yeah. And there's massive amounts of clothing going there. And when it stops, it's all going to be probably sent to landfills. In 2012, Macklemore released a song called Thrift Shop with Ryan Lewis. The music video has been watched on YouTube more than 1,134,390,000 times. He's one of the few superstars today who sends positive messages in songs and videos that lead to social change. He made it okay for millions of people to thrift shop. On the west coast of Canada, vintage clothing stores were much more popular. I found people in Ontario have more of a stigma against secondhand shopping. Many people still prefer to buy cheap clothes that don't last from big retailers like Walmart.
0: I would say that among people that are a little bit more clued into the environmental aspects of the clothing industry, then they definitely do try to shop secondhand more. And I think that in the past, maybe 10 or 15 years, especially like there has been a certain appeal to wearing vintage clothing, especially certain dresses from the 50s and 60s that you don't, you know, you just can't get that style anymore. When it comes to thrift shopping, I think people still prefer to buy new. A lot of times you can get the same garment from a thrift store that's a much better, that's a much better quality, even if it's been worn by someone else, just because things aren't made the way they used to be made. You know, and I hate to sound like, you know, an old fuddy-duddy being like, things aren't the way they used to be. <laughs> but And, you know, you've noticed this too, that clothing just isn't, the quality of clothing just isn't what it used to be. And so I think if you step into a thrift store, you can sometimes find some really amazing gems and I, I would say with my, my own personal kind of shopping habits, when I started working on this project, which was over a year ago when I initially started doing this research and investigating the fashion industry, it really impacted my own habits. And I'll say that I don't buy new clothing anymore anymore. So I've made a sort of personal pledge to only buy secondhand or to buy clothing that is made out of recycled materials. I've found it to be like this weight has been lifted in a way because it doesn't shop in a way that was sort of anxiety driven. Like it was sort of a pastime, you know, I didn't have something to do. I just step into a couple of shops and look around and maybe buy something, but it wasn't intentional. And I think, That's something that now that I'm not doing it, that it's not something I miss. And in fact, it's something that sort of liberated me uh, by not doing it anymore.
1: That's awesome. Like I think minimalists who are listening will be really happy to hear that because I think that it does bring people happiness to declutter and stop bringing things home, which is great. I would agree. You actually have a service where you'll go and pick up people's clothes. So if somebody's moving in the D.C. area and they're in a hurry, they can just call you up and you'll come and take their clothes off their hands for them.
0: Basically. So I have an online platform on my website. You can just go on there and book a pickup. So there's a, a link. You simply choose the date that you want to pick up, Jen, the time, and then you can actually prepay right there on the website because I'm char- I charge a convenience fee for a pickup. And so right now, you could go on there and book a pickup at the same day, basically. So I'm trying to offer, trying to fill the, sort of fill a gap in the market where there are some charities that do home pickup, but typically you have to book those like a month in advance. And it's something that you don't always think about, right? If you're moving, you've got a lot to do you've got a lot on your mind, it doesn't always occur to you to schedule a clothing pickup a month before you're going to move. No. And similarly, if you are just getting rid of, you know, a couple of things or a one bag of clothing, sometimes you just want to get it out of your house. Like if you live in a small apartment, you know, you don't have a ton of space to store something for a month while you wait for the, you know, Salvation Army truck to come and pick it up for you. So I'm trying to sort of fill that convenience gap for people.
1: Exactly. That's such a good point because if you're in this decluttering mood and you make the move to go and declutter, what's the point if you're just going to have a garbage bag sitting by your door for a month? If you're going to get rid of those things, you probably want them gone pretty quickly.
0: Exactly. And I've when I was doing my market research, I talked to a lot of people and they would say, yeah, you know, I have a car. So it's, I, you know, it's a pain for me to get my bags over to the Goodwill or even walking them a few blocks. It's a lot of weight to carry or when I get there, sometimes the bin is full. And then I've also talked to people who have said to me, you know, I've had this bag of clothing in my in the trunk of my car for a month. And I've been meaning to make time to drop it off somewhere. And I just keep forgetting about it. And it's making me crazy. You know, even if you have a car, sometimes that doesn't always solve the problem.
1: Yeah. Do you guys have the donation bins in parking lots? They look like a big mailbox, basically, but they're huge. And you just put clothes in them?
0: We do. We have a few different companies that operate those. There's a local organization called the Clothing Recycling Organization, which is a very straightforward name. And they have these big green bins. And then there is Planet Aid um, and a few other companies that run bins.
1: Yeah, you got to have a and, car and you got to know where they are, though. The, the pickup idea is just fantastic. I think that's really going to help get clothing out of landfill. Yeah, I think so, too. We're seeing problems in other areas of the fashion world, like the tags found in Zara garments from Istanbul that have politicized the brand. The notes read, I made this item you are going to buy, but I didn't get paid for it. The workers claim a factory shutdown last year didn't pay out the last three months of wages to its workers. Just like some countries have less restrictions around the environment, labor laws can be lacking, and even safety regulations too.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's the other side of this: is the manufacturing side. Is it one, the manufacture of clothing is incredibly resource intensive, and the other, and the other issues. With labor. You know, people who are working in the fashion industry, on the manufacturing side are often paid very poorly, and they're often in very unsafe working conditions. In 2013, you might recall there was a huge disaster in Bangladesh when a factory collapsed. The cause of that collapse was essentially that the equipment that was being used in that facility was too heavy, uh, and the building couldn't bear the weight of that equipment. In that collapse, over 1,100 people died. That happened in 2013, and not that much has honestly changed since then. A lot of these companies have said, hey, you know, we're going to be more transparent about where we source from. But what they end up doing, and actually John Oliver, uh, who has a show on HBO, has a really good segment on the fashion industry that I encourage people to watch. But the way they kind of deal with this is they employ this sort of subcontracting loophole. So they'll say, our subcontractor told us that they were following all the laws and ethics of what's appropriate for the industry. And then that subcontractor will say, well, we actually subcontract to somebody else. And they said that they were you know, doing the same thing. And then what you you know find out is that basically they're just all passing the blame to someone else. People in the industry make so little money, like garment workers in Bangladesh make where that Lana, Rana factory collapsed. Um, happen make 32 cents an hour oh no yeah so I mean the cost sure maybe you can buy a t-shirt from H&M for like five dollars but it's you know the actual cost is borne by other people
1: absolutely and
0: that's part of you know you can sort of ease your conscience if you buy secondhand and if you just buy less because that's all baked in to that five dollars is labor rights violations and environmental costs and things that are you know not obvious on the surface of that five dollar price tag but the things that i think consumers need to be thinking about
1: absolutely like you're saying like the carbon emissions are increased and then our poor oceans i mean those garments have to be transported by ship, which probably runs on diesel and takes a lot of it to get across the ocean and there are no rules about about dumping basically once you're out in the middle of the ocean. So I interviewed a scientist from Georgia and he found that there's like a trillion microfibers in the Georgia coastal waters and they're basically all coming from garments. So we have a filter on our dryer that collects the lint, but we don't have a filter on our washing machine. So when we wash our synthetic clothing, little pieces of plastic are getting through the wash and out into our water systems. And he's finding them in pretty much all of our seafood. <laughs> so we're basically like eating our our clothing in a way, you know? It's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's really crazy. And there is, I know there's a startup that Guppy Friend I don't know if you heard about this. No. It's basically a bag you can wash your synthetic fabrics in. So, especially stuff like sportswear and, and that kind of stuff. Um, you can wash it all in that bag and it captures those synthetic fibers so they don't go into the wash.
1: Um, how do you spell it <laughs> so that we know?
0: Sure, it's G U P P Y, friend.
1: Oh my friend. goodness. That's amazing because that yeah. was actually the big recommendation that Jay made is we're probably going to have to have some retrofittable filter on our washing machine. But I mean, if there's a bag, that's fantastic. How can we live with like running gear? Like it's so ingrained in us that we have all of these stretchy clothes that we've come to love you know it's a really difficult change um if we're ever to to get away from that and you're right like buying secondhand is a really great way and looking for cotton products you know maybe that aren't dyed or that are dyed naturally is a really good a a really good recommendation as well i find it interesting because you always see these articles oh, millennials are killing these certain industries and department stores are one of them i personally think one of the reasons is that the clothing got cheaper so I want to wear good quality clothing. And when I go out to stores these days, they they look very thin or they look like they're going to rip, you know, very easily. And do you think that sort of this cheapening of clothing and this fast fashion is contributing to the decline of department stores? Or do you think it's sort of a generational unrelated thing?
0: I mean, I haven't seen the data on it. My personal feeling is that absolutely, you know, cheapening of the quality as well as you know when it comes to these trend cycles you have 11 plus trend cycles of clothing every year but honestly I mean there's there's only so much originality you're going to get out of it actually the original way that my initial idea for this business was to actually do a line of clothing out of all recycled and organic materials that infused sort of western clothing with international ethnic design my feeling has been that you know, up to that point when I was still, still kind of shopping for clothing. I just felt like every store I went to, everything looked the same.
1: Yeah. You know, there was no
0: real originality left in clothing. There's no way to sort of express your originality, individuality through most of the mass market clothing that's out there. And I think that's another problem. Sort of like, well, why should I buy this t-shirt when it looks exactly like every other t-shirt in every other store? I think people are just kind of bored of, you know, these sort of trends that, you know, last for a month or two. And that t shirts only going to last a month or two also because it's made so poorly.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a really cool point about getting more cultural clothing in because it would be neat to see more unique patterns and and different sustainable fabrics. I I think the industry is really going to change. And I think that you are really helping lead it and, and bring the important issues to the surface of what matters and I think the more people know about what happens to clothes and the environmental impact they have I think people will be more inclined to shop secondhand I'm just so happy that you're doing this I wonder if you have any advice if someone in another city wants to start something similar in their city oh that's great
0: I mean I would say for one thing is definitely talk to your municipality because I know clothing collection on the curbside, along with other recycling, is something that a lot of cities are starting to talk about. I know there's a couple cities in Canada that are doing it. New York City and San Francisco do it already. And those programs are working really well and keeping a lot of clothing out of the trash. So that's kind of where I would start, is by talking to your local officials that are working on waste collection and sort of make them aware that People in your community really care about this issue and really want a solution, and that it's a gap that needs to be filled, and that it's something the city should be thinking about. Not only because it's something that citizens want, but it's also really costly to the city. So, the city on average in the United States, municipalities pay about $49 a ton to dispose of trash. That's called a tipping fee that they pay to the landfill to actually dump trash. Mm -hmm. And so, for a city like DC, which has about 680,000 residents, if each citizen is producing 80 pounds of clothing a year on average and the city's paying $49 a ton, the city is paying to dispose of just old clothing. So, you know, if they can save that, the exact figure will, will vary city to city based on what each citizen's um, actually throwing away. But, you know, it's a lot of money that each city can be saving that could be put towards other resources.
1: And would they be able to even make money if it's if it's sold for recycling purposes?
0: Yeah, definitely. And so one thing that I'm, you know, with my business that I really like to do, and partly to address this issue of sending the big exporting issue, is that I'm working on trying to find some solutions, some new kind of novel uses for old clothing in terms of recycling the content into some new products. So... If your listeners have any ideas for me, I would love to hear them. But basically, you know, I'm talking, there is an industry that exists that basically shreds down old clothing and turns it into new stuff. In the United States, most of that is for industrial uses, so... My partner, who is my wholesaler, his recycler basically will take things and it gets shredded and turned into things like insulation. Like old denim is often used and shredded down and turned into insulation that goes into the walls of new homes. Wow. Carpet underlay, so that, you know, that kind of thing that prevents your carpet from slipping when you walk on the rug, that's made out of old
1: shredded clothing. Oh, um, that's amazing. And there's something with carpets like people are really kind of upset uh these days about carpets because I think there are a lot of toxic materials that go into them. So, I if there was a way to actually like make the carpets out of recycled clothing, I think that would be really awesome too.
0: Definitely. And and carpet itself can be recycled and a lot of carpet goes into the trash every
1: year. I love that I'm able to talk to you and and hear your side of the story and why you're starting this. It's T E X I L E S. textiles.com. If anyone's in the DC area, obviously you can schedule a pickup. And I think the takeaways here are reduce the purchases, find better quality with organic or like cotton material or or things that'll last. Try and find a used place if you're if you're not in the DC area and you can't use this service. Um, if you're anywhere else, just try and get those, those clothes back into the secondhand market and reuse them and buy used if you can. I think that's all all sort of the takeaways here.
0: Yeah, I would add a couple things. One is that you should consider rental services because there's a lot of cool new rental options out there. So there's um, Rent the Runway, that does dress rental, so you can wear you know a high fashion dress to an event and return it and I think that's really cool and there's some other services that do kind of uh, clothing regular clothing rental I'm gonna I'm hopefully gonna have a mail-in option for customers outside the DC area hopefully soon
1: okay so that they can ship their used clothing to you exactly oh that's such a good idea that's amazing that's great that's a really good idea the rental clothing too is amazing like I know men have been renting tuxes for years but because a lot of Girls, I think we yeah. all have some dresses in the closet that we'll probably never wear again. Exactly. <laughs>
0: yeah, awesome. and once you wear something, you know, you don't want to be photographed, especially in this like era of Instagram. You don't want to be Instagrammed wearing the same dress to, you know, consecutive <laughs> weddings or something like that.
1: Yeah, and that's, I think, sort of where that whole fast fashion comes from.
0: Rent the Runway, at least I know it does. They just ship, so you just go and order on the website and they'll just ship it to you. They're doing really cool work.
1: What if you need them, um, like, taken in? Do they do, like, are you able to tailor them?
0: I think you can order two sizes at once.
1: Oh, that's cool. Yeah.
0: But so what they do is they actually cycle through each address around 30 times.
1: Oh, my goodness. That's great. And then you yeah. could even maybe send them yeah. to secondhand People after that, right? Like, to a store.
0: Yeah, or they sell them
1: afterwards. Oh, cool.
0: The one other thing I would add is that if you do have that are not appropriate for donation, like to have holes or stains or things, I would still include those in your donation, whether it's going to the Goodwill or another charity or a bin, just put it in there because a lot of those companies do work with recyclers um, to make sure that things don't end up in the trash. It's definitely a better alternative. Not all of them do. And sometimes even if you call them and say, hey, can I include something with a hole in it? They'll say no, but you should you should do it anyways, because a lot of them do have partners that can help them take care of that. Until I get to a city near you, at least.
1: (laughs) That would be awesome. Well, Kaveri, thank you so much for talking with us today. This has been very informative and I'm so happy that you're doing this. I hope that it happens in other cities as well, that more people get on board and they, they put their clothing in the right spot instead of in landfill. So thank you for that. This week on my countdown to zero waste, I found the guppy friend bag Kavari mentioned and made the purchase. I'm going to put my synthetic clothing in it before they go into the wash and prevent microfibers from entering nearby aquatic systems from my clothing. I also chose to buy a pair of used heels and wear a dress I bought five years ago to this year's Christmas party instead of buying new. Next time on our seventh episode, we'll be speaking with Daniela from mm Chef about Zero Waste Cooking. If you like our show, you can follow me on Instagram at Zero Waste Countdown. That's zero underscore waste underscore countdown. And if you have any questions or ideas for the show, you can email me, laura at zero waste countdown.com Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast.